Well, spring is in the air, kind of. This past week, as we all know, has been cold. It's been incredibly windy. Last night, I was driving around Frankenmuth around 9 p.m., and I saw some flurries, which is a little crazy for uh, mid-April. But at least the sun has been popping out a little bit this week. Can I get an amen for that? Isn't that good news? I was forgetting what the sun looked like here in Michigan for quite a while. Yeah, the sun has popped out, and it's beginning, right? The signs of spring are now beginning. We see flowers are blooming, birds are chirping, trees are budding, and my dog loves every bit of it. I tell you what, he loves it. Uh, He is loving the weather outside. In fact, he loves this weather a little too much, I'd say. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Cute, right? He loves the weather a little too much. Now, any other dog owners might know what I'm talking about here. You see, I have tried uh, over the last couple months. We got a dog this winter, a puppy, so it's new for our family. This is his first spring, and so he's so excited outside. And I've tried hard uh, to to train him well. Uh, Right now, he knows how to sit. He knows how to shake hands. um, He knows how to lay down. But now that the weather is starting to change and he's outside, for the life of me, I cannot get this dog to come. I've tried, I've Googled it, nothing I'm doing is working. He is outside and he does not want to come to me. Now that it's like spring, I've tried everything in the book, but he just won't come. He won't do it. He'd rather do his own thing and run around and explore. He has no interest in listening to me or following me when he's outside. And can you really blame him? Uh, Let's be honest. It's nice outside, it's getting nicer, and he's enjoying it. And one of the challenges is I can't chase him either. If anybody's ever tried to chase a dog, they think it's a game, and he's faster than me, and it makes things worse. And so it's been difficult just trying to make sure this dog doesn't run away. It's been a little frustrating. But, you know, as I thought about this a little bit, I get it. Right? I mean, it makes sense. Can you blame the dog for disobeying me? I can't. Think about it for a moment. Why would my dog want to follow me when there's so much outside to enjoy, so much outside to experience, so much outside to explore? He doesn't want to follow me because he doesn't see any value in it. And you know, as I thought about that this week a little bit, it's reminded me of something. We're gathered here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus That's why we're here. And so many of us who are here today, uh, we consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus. There are many people who want to follow Jesus. But we also know that there are some people who don't want to follow Jesus. Some people who don't choose to ever follow Jesus. Why? Well, because just like my dog, they don't see any value in it. For many people, they would much rather do their own thing, go their own way, live their own life. Many people have absolutely no desire to follow Jesus. And you know what? I I also get that. I understand that. In fact, I would tend to agree with that thinking if, and this is a very big if, if on the third day Jesus didn't rise. You see, if the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, then in my opinion, we should not follow Jesus. We shouldn't follow him because there'd be no value in that. Why on earth would anybody follow Jesus if he didn't rise from the dead? What would be the point of that? 
What would be the purpose? I don't believe it makes any sense to follow Jesus if he didn't rise from the dead. That's what I believe. And I'm not the only one who believes that. There's another man who believed the same way. He lived 2,000 years ago. His name was Paul. And if you want to hear about what Paul had to say, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then I want to encourage you, if you brought your Bibles, to open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, just a heads up about the book of 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. The New Testament is in the last quarter of your Bible. So if you open it up, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, then 1 Corinthians. It's a big book. If you hit 2 Corinthians or Galatians, go backward. And if you didn't bring your Bible, I, I know a lot of people didn't probably bring them. We don't have them in, in seat backs this morning. But if you didn't bring a Bible, you're welcome to use your phone if you want to follow along. We have a mobile app where you can have a built-in Bible and follow along and sermon notes. Or I'll just put stuff on the screen. So whatever you do, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to remind you just a couple things about this book. The book of 1 Corinthians was written by Paul. He was an apostle, a sent one. Uh, He wrote this book around 52 AD. Uh, He wrote it to a church that he helped establish in a city called Corinth. And Paul wrote this letter during his third missionary journey. He had multiple missionary journeys. And on his third journey, he wrote this letter. And picking up in verse 12, Paul lays out for us a very interesting scenario. He lays it out for the Corinthian church. Paul talks about what would happen if Jesus didn't rise. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if this whole resurrection thing that we're celebrating here today at the Harvey Kern Pavilion, if that didn't actually happen, if the resurrection of Jesus is just a myth or a legend or a hoax or a fairy tale, if this is just something that we all like to talk about but nobody actually believes, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then what would happen? Well, Paul, he makes this very abundantly clear for us. There are four simple truths we're going to look at Uh, in this letter. So the first thing Paul tells us, number one, is if Jesus didn't rise, firstly, we're dead. We're dead. If he didn't rise, you and I have no hope for the future. We are dead. One day, they will take our bodies and they will put them in the ground. And there, our ultimate destination is to become fertilizer. It sounds harsh, It sounds a little bit crude. I get that. I wouldn't say it at your funeral, okay? But it would be true, wouldn't it? If there's no such thing as life after death for Jesus, then why on earth would there be anything like life after death for us? This is the first point. Notice what Paul says in his letter. He says this, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. All right, so what's Paul saying here? Well, in these two verses, Paul's addressing a belief that many people had in the Corinthian church. So in the city of Corinth, they were people who really dabbled with the world around them. They adopted many of the cultural beliefs of the surrounding culture around them. And one of the cultural beliefs at the time that was really gaining traction was called Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism is an ancient belief, and one of the primary tenets of of a Gnostic belief is this idea that the material world, the physical world, that this is something that's inherently evil. And so the Jewish people who had a belief for centuries that one day God would raise the dead, that notion, that idea was something that the Gnostics rejected. And apparently, it's something that many of the people in Corinth rejected too. Now, they did believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They embraced that. 
But they didn't believe that anyone else would rise from the dead. And so Paul tells them this. He says, hey, the resurrection of Jesus and the future resurrection of all God's people, these two things are linked together. These two things are inextricably linked. In fact, Paul goes on later to say that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. So what happened to Jesus will one day happen to us. So the point here is simple. The resurrection of Jesus is connected to our future. If Jesus didn't rise, we're dead. We are dead. There's no afterlife for us. There's no hope for our future. There's nothing that we can look forward to except a cold and lonely grave. Well, happy Easter, kids, right? You depressed yet? It's depressing, but it's true. It's true. If he didn't rise, we're all dead. But it doesn't end there. Paul continues. He says, not only if Jesus didn't rise, are we dead, but secondly, we're dumb. This is what Paul says, essentially. Notice what he writes. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Now, the word vain that Paul uses here is a Greek word, kenos. It's a word that simply means uh, empty or hollow or without any substance or void. So what Paul is saying here is, is really simple. It's really clear. If Jesus didn't rise, then everything the church believes and teaches, it is completely nothing. It means nothing. It's worthless. It's useless. It's pointless. Practically speaking, if Jesus didn't rise, everything we're doing right now is, is dumb. It, it really is. It's void. It's, it's vain. This is a giant waste of our time if Jesus didn't rise. Everything I'm preaching means nothing. Everything you believe is silly if Jesus didn't rise. We might as well find something else to do with our time. You know, Christians spend a lot of time on Sunday mornings being together. And if Jesus didn't rise, none of that would really make any sense. We might as well find something better to do together on Sunday mornings. We can, like, have new hobbies. We can start weaving baskets or or something, collecting stamps. Something, anything, would be better than what we're doing here if Jesus didn't rise, because this would all be one big joke. And so Paul is very clear, if Jesus didn't rise, first of all, we're dead. Secondly, we're dumb. But thirdly, Paul makes another point. Not only that, he goes a little further. He says, thirdly, we are deceitful. We're deceitful. Notice what he says, picking up in verse 15. He says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. You see, the point that Paul is making is this. If Jesus didn't rise, then everything we're talking about here is false. As Christians, we're not speaking the truth in church. We're not representing God accurately. In fact, we're all a bunch of liars. This is what Paul says. And if that's the case, then you know what? Shame on us. Shame on me for being a pastor because I'd be just a crook. Shame on you for believing anything about what we talk about. Shame on us for spreading this misinformation around the globe, for propagating falsehood. If Jesus didn't rise, then we're not preaching the good news. We're spreading fake news. That's just the truth. As Trump would say, we're like the mainstream media. We're CNN, okay? So I knew that a few of you would like the Trump comment. Most of you maybe did. I don't know. Maybe not a good choice on Easter Sunday, either way. But this is fake news if Jesus didn't rise, right? It's fake news. 
He didn't rise. But that's not it. Paul has one more thing he wants to tell us. Not only are we dead if Jesus didn't rise, not only are we dumb for believing this, not only are we deceitful for telling other people this information, but finally we're doomed. We're doomed. Notice what Paul says in verses 16 through 18. He says this, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, he says. You see, according to Scripture, both the death and the resurrection of Jesus are required in order for God to deal with the problem of sin. In fact, at the end of Romans chapter 4, Paul, he speaks there and he says that Jesus was raised for our justification. So the resurrection of Jesus was required by God. It was a demonstration of the fact that Jesus had the full payment for sin. And through his resurrection, Jesus is now fully vindicated. And because of that, we can stand forgiven. We can be righteous in front of the holy God. Translation, the resurrection of Jesus is contingent. It's needed for our salvation. That's what it means. Our salvation is completely hinging on the truth of the resurrection. So if Jesus didn't rise, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. We're doomed because we remain in our sins. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And all that awaits us is judgment and wrath which is scary and it's sad. This is why Paul ends this little section by saying, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. People should look at the church and pity us. I believe he's right about this. He's right. People should pity us if Jesus didn't rise because if Jesus didn't rise, we're dead, we're dumb, we're deceitful, and we're doomed. And people should look at us Christians and they should go, man, look at them. Silly Christians. So this morning, I'm telling you, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then please, please, don't follow him. If he didn't rise, do not follow him because there'd be no value in that. There'd be no reason to follow Jesus if he didn't rise from the dead. You'd be much better off doing your own thing, going your own way if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. However, on the flip side of that, there's something else we need to consider. You see, the Apostle Paul was somebody who chose to be a follower of Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. Why on earth would someone like him want to follow Jesus? How, how, why would he do that? Well, it's because he actually believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, why would anybody believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, we're going to hear from Paul why he believed. Notice what he says at the beginning of our chapter. He says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And there... He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Do you notice what Paul says here? 
Paul didn't think that the resurrection of Jesus was a myth or a legend or a hoax or a fairy tale. This is not the same thing as leprechauns and unicorns. Paul believed it was true. Paul believed it actually happened. It was real. Why? Because there were so many eyewitnesses. So many people saw the resurrection. Peter saw the risen Jesus. The 12 disciples saw the risen Jesus. Paul says here that 500 people at one time witnessed the resurrection of Jesus and many were still alive. Uh, Remember, Paul wrote this in 52 AD. That's only 20 years after Jesus rose from the dead, which means literally in the ancient world, you could walk around in different cities and you'd meet tons and tons of people who were eyewitnesses to the risen Jesus. You could talk with with them. You could ask them their experiences and what they saw and what they heard. You'd bump into them at the grocery store, at the bank, Taco Bell. You'd see them all over the place. They were everywhere. And Paul goes on to say James was a witness. He says the apostles were all witnesses. And then he says, and even I myself, I was a witness to the risen Jesus. I saw it with my own two eyes. See, the resurrection of Jesus was embraced by the early church because it actually happened. It actually happened. People were there. They saw it. They experienced it. They were so convinced, in fact, that the church went out from there and they gave their very life for the cause of Christ. They were willing to die for the sake of Jesus because they witnessed a man who was dead and then came back to life. The resurrection of Jesus is the reason why the church exists today because it happened 2,000 years ago. And so this morning, You need to ask yourself a question, an important question. Did Jesus rise from the dead or not? Did he rise or not? Because if he didn't rise, by all means, please don't follow him. If he didn't rise, please don't follow him. But if he did rise, if Jesus did rise from the dead, then it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. If he rose from the dead, then follow him. What other choice do you have? What other option is there? If Jesus is who he says he is, he is worthy of being followed. You gotta follow him. You gotta worship him. You gotta trust him. You gotta give your allegiance to him. If he is who he says he is and he rose from the grave, what other option is there? He deserves all the praise in the universe. Uh, We have a conviction here at Frankenmuth Bible Church that everyone ought to worship Jesus. We know that not everyone does. We know that there are some people who will go through their life at an arm's distance and reject him. But we believe that everyone should worship him. Everyone should praise him. Why? Because he rose from the dead. He deserves all the praise in the universe. And we're not the only ones who think that. Psalm 148, the psalmist says the same thing. He says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you waters above the heavens and highest heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord, all the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his majesty is above earth and heaven. 
He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. Praise the Lord, all the earth. This is what we believe. Everyone ought to worship him. Everyone ought to praise his name. Why? Because he conquered the grave. Death is defeated. Hope is restored. Love has won. And he is risen. This is the good news. This is the truth. This is why we gather, not only on this Resurrection Sunday, but every Sunday, it's because of the resurrection of Jesus. And so I just got to say this morning, if you are far from God, if you came here because you had someone invite you and you felt obligated, or you came because, you know, it's the time to do it, you got to show up to Easter, but you know, this stuff, you don't believe this garbage. If you spent your life running from God, far from God, I just got to ask you, what on earth are you doing? What are you doing with your life? What on earth are you doing? Don't be like my dog. Don't be stubborn. Don't be foolish. Don't be obstinate. Don't be like my dog. No, come to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Obey Jesus. I promise you he is a master worthy of following because he rose from the grave. He's worthy of following. He rose from the dead. He's alive and he offers you life and hope and a future. I believe everyone should follow Jesus. Everyone should follow him. In fact, today we have 17 people who've chosen to follow Jesus this morning and they've chosen to follow Jesus and they want to demonstrate their faith and allegiance and discipleship to Christ through the waters of baptism this morning. Praise God for that. 17 people. Yes, you can clap for that. They want to get baptized in these waters. Why? Because it's a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. New life. That Jesus conquered the grave and that so will we. This is the hope of all believers. So I want to encourage you out there, anybody who doesn't believe, to not leave this place without asking yourself the question, did he actually rise or not? Because if he didn't rise, again, by all means, please don't follow him. But if it's true, if it's actually true, if Jesus really conquered the grave and all those hundreds of witnesses were there and saw it, and this is why the church advanced, if it actually happened, then you have no choice. You gotta follow him. You gotta run to him. You've gotta come to Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful for this morning. We're so thankful, not because we've got a ton of people here and cool lights and good coffee and donuts. That stuff is not what this is all about. This is about the sinless son of God took my place upon a cross. He died for me, a sinner, a failure. He died for me. He died for the world. Why? To endure the the penalty of sin that was mine. He hung there on the cross, bloodied, bruised, gasping for air for my sin. And then after paying the penalty for my sin, Father, he was put in a grave. But the good news this morning is he didn't stay there. Three days later, he rose from the dead. 
And now he is at work. You are at work in the world. Your spirit is at work, transforming lives, changing hearts, breathing into people new life, raising people spiritually from the dead. And this morning, 17 people are going to share their story. We're going to hear it in just a second. And Lord, we get to celebrate new life. We get to celebrate resurrection power in this place because you're still at work in the world. And Lord, I pray for anybody in the room who's still unbelieving, Lord, that you would work in their hearts and lives, that you would breathe into them the breath of life, that their eyes might be open to the gospel, that they might hear the truth and respond through faith and through allegiance to you and your son, Jesus. We pray for that. We ask for that, Father, in the precious name of Jesus.